0: Hello everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall and I am thrilled, thrilled to be joined by Jim Jackson, the voice of the Flyers, entering his 30th year calling Flyers games. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into an interesting day in Flyers land, I'll put it that way, how has your summer been? How are things going this offseason for you?
1: Summer's going pretty well, Jordan. My second summer where I've actually headed off not doing baseball anymore and uh, enjoying as much time as I can by the pool going to go on a legitimate vacation here in about a week and uh, so it's been good Uh, I knew it was going to be an eventful one for the Flyers we're going to talk about that Uh, but uh, from a non-hockey standpoint having a good time and glad to see you are feeling a little bit better Jordan I know you had a bout with COVID so good to see you're uh, at least up and about. There's no distance too far
0: for the perfect trip Hi checking in for And uh, just very excited to have you on. Glad you're getting some summer fun finally. I know that was always, yeah. Uh, I didn't know fun. what I was
1: missing, actually. Jordan, I really yes. didn't. It's uh, I, I mean, I miss Citizens Bank Park and I miss Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson and all the people at the park, but the job itself, I, I'm surprised how little I miss it. I really uh, am enjoying getting to relax and really dive. I was able to dive into the playoffs and watch the Stanley cup playoffs a lot more than usual. And now following the draft and all the free agent signings. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I got to say.
0: Well, Jim, it was funny when the Flyers hired Elaine Vigneault, you cut a video for us for the website from the ballpark reacting to it. And I always, I always see it because sometimes I will look up my past story to get information on Vigneault or when did they hire him, that type of thing. And I always see that video and I'm like, Well, Jim doesn't have to do that anymore. He can kind of be away from the ballpark and maybe do things on his own time, which is good. From
1: my office at home now. Yes, um, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jim, let's dive right into it. Uh, A very interesting Saturday, or excuse me, a very interesting first day of free agency on Wednesday. And I think everyone's puzzled by it. Puzzled that the Flyers were not in on Johnny Gaudreau. Jim, the message starting... Going back to January was aggressive retool, aggressive retool. It sounded like they wanted to get better quickly, sooner rather than later. And it sounded like they had an opportunity to really reinvigorate the fan base, get people excited, get butts in seats. And it it sounds like they weren't in on Johnny goodrow at all. Just how surprised were you? Take us into your thoughts as you were seeing it unfold.
1: Okay. First of all, full disclosure, right off the top. Um, I'm not completely unbiased on this topic because Johnny Gaudreau went to Gloucester Catholic. My son Johnny went to Gloucester Catholic. It's very complicated, two Johnnies, but they both went to Gloucester Catholic, separated by several years. They weren't there at the same time, but they actually skate together in the summer. Some, and Johnny Gaudreau's father coached my son in high school, so I know the family. And for many, many years, I've wanted Johnny Gaudreau to wear that jersey, wear that jersey, there we go. Um, and you know the Flyers jersey and. So uh, personally, I've always wanted to see it for whatever reason. But for many years, there was a guy by the name of Claude Giroux here, and I I just didn't think that both of those players would probably ever be in the same team. They're very similar. They bring a lot of the similar elements. Um, And so I I never really thought it was a real possibility until last year happened and Claude Giroux got traded. And then I look up and I think, okay, now Claude Giroux has been traded and Johnny Gaudreau, wouldn't you know, is going to be a free agent in the offseason. And so I started to get my hopes up again. And then the season ends and most of the talk is, as you said, about an aggressive retool. So my hopes even got higher and I thought, well, this is perfect. They're they're going to need, uh, Chuck Fletcher has talked about um, elite offensive talent, high-end talent. You can't get much more high-end elite talent than Johnny Gaudreau. I know how much he wants to play here. He's a free agent. Now Claude Giroux is gone. There seems to be a perfect fit here. So my hopes went straight. They went right off the charts. I was pretty much counting Johnny Gaudreau as a Flyer in my my heart and my head. Um, I assumed he would be here. And Jordan, you know what happens to those who assume? (laughs) It's never a good thing. Yes. So personally, from just a personal basis, I'm as disappointed as anybody. And I completely understand the Flyers fan base and their disappointment given the way things were happening, and it just looked like a fit. There was always the salary cap issue, but there was the talk of they could be creative. They always heard that that phrase, be creative to get him here. So just like the Flyers fans, I, and even me with a more kind of a personal thing, in it, I, I really, really am disappointed. I mean, there's, there's no – I can't sugarcoat that. I wanted to be calling Johnny Gaudreau this fall, and what a story. A hometown kid comes back to try to help his franchise get back in gear – uh, that's from a broadcast standpoint, I was just looking forward to that as well. It's a great storyline. Um, so on many levels, disappointed. But uh, as a broadcaster and someone who watches the Flyers, I also have to look at it from a more realistic standpoint. Um, and so I look at where Chuck Fletcher was on this, and there's just a couple things I don't know that make it hard for me to just, just destroy Chuck Fletcher all right, which I know on Twitter and all that, a lot of that's happening. And it always happens to GMs when they don't get a big free agent or they make a trade that people don't like. That's that's part of being a GM, I guess. But what I'll say here is I don't know the extent of Ryan Ellis's injury. And that affects everything because they went out and signed Tony D'Angelo, I'm assuming partially because they're not sure Ryan Ellis is going to be healthy. Uh, once they signed Tony, my my expectation level of Johnny Gaudreau coming here started to dip a little bit because that's five million dollars and if they're having trouble finding room for him and you you spend five million that was kind of unexpected in a way at least from a public standpoint and then I started to wonder but then they they you know uh, sadly in, in in my eyes uh, had to to buy out Oscar Lindbaum. so they got some of that money back and I'm thinking okay maybe it's still gonna happen but I don't know Ryan Ellis's situation it could be more serious than we think as far as his chance to even play this year. I don't know. They're very mysterious about it. They say he's making progress. I have no inside information. So uh, I don't know that. And that impacts everything. Secondly, I don't know how much teams were asking for the Flyers to attach to the contracts that they were trying to move out to clear cap space. Uh, If it was a 2023 first round pick, that could be a very valuable pick. If it was the 2024 pick they acquired in the Giroux trade, I have a lot less trouble giving, getting, getting rid of that pick. It's probably going to be a low first-round pick, and uh, you know the 24 draft isn't at this point known to be nearly as uh, impactful as many people are saying the 2023 draft will be. So there's a lot of elements there. I don't know what teams were, Maybe they're asking for both. I don't know. So without knowing those facts, Ellis, where he's at, and what was really being asked for, I can't just go out and say it was a bad move. But I will say this there come a time for most GMs in their tenure with a team where there's a, a moment where it's just get it done, all right? And these just get it done moments, first of all, they don't come along very often, but they're also very dangerous because when you're in a just get it done mode, you usually overpay or do too much and it impacts the franchise down the road. I gotta say though, this looked to me like a just get it done moment because of what I just talked about. Uh, Gaudreau fit from the standpoint of the team. Team needs offensive talent up front. They need power play talent. He fits both of those bills. Uh, He fits the bill of a great story to generate buzz for the fan base, and that he's a hometown kid who wants to come back here. Um, So there were a lot of things playing here, you know, on top of the fact that the locker room, I've got to think, with the likes of Kevin Hayes and some of People who've played with him and know of him really wanted it, too. So there's that. I think there were a lot of reasons why this could have happened. But for Chuck Fletcher, it didn't turn into a have-to-get-it-done moment. I'm assuming he had some things, Jordan, cooking that just didn't work out, that they're not allowed to talk about because it involves a player that's still on the team. You can't do that. Um, I think if we could get more information on what those offers were, we'd have a little more of an idea of why it didn't happen. So that's my explanation for it. It is disappointing. I completely believe me. I feel for the flyer fans because I'm disappointed. I wanted to see Johnny Gaudreau in the orange and black this fall and for several years to come. Um, it would have been a great thing to watch, but it didn't happen. And I I can't imagine when, when Chuck said yesterday and he might've might wanted to rephrase this, but when he said that we were never in the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes or, I think what he meant was they never got to the point where they offered him a deal because they never got to the point where they had the cap space. I do think he explored, and he has to as the GM, explore possibilities for creating that cap space, and I think he ran into roadblocks. Um, So, you know, it didn't happen. Disappointing, but hockey is a sport, yes, and as fans, as broadcasters, as writers, we follow it. We have a passion for it there's that but there's also as you very well know jordan the business side of it and the business side flat out got in the way um, of johnny gaudreau becoming a philadelphia flyer
0: i'm with you jim too I, I feel like it would have been easy for for chuck fletcher to come out and bury a certain player by saying hey this is what we got offered to, to basically ditch this contract it, you know say james van Reemsdyke, who obviously is a guy that's been reported uh on that flyers are looking for trades because he's in the final year of a bigger deal, uh, that would that would have been an obvious way to shed a cap. Fletcher could have easily come out and said, "Here's what we're here. Here's what we had to include in this deal just to get rid of him," you know. Because I'm with you, Jim. I think he they had to be somewhat in on Johnny Gaudreau. I think I would have been shocked if Chuck Fletcher didn't even look into it. Uh, but I'm with you. I think they probably never made an offer because they probably never found a way to clear cap.
1: Yeah. Now the legitimate criticism could be. From the time last year got away from them, and you can judge for yourself when that was. Some might say when they fired Vino. No, I think they still had a chance. Mike Yo got them to go five zero and one at one stretch going into the holiday break. So they could have still gotten back into contention. But then after the holiday break, they got decimated with COVID, and they went into another long winless streak. So to me, the season, any chance of a playoff spot was gone with that early January uh, winless streak so from that point on at least maybe a little later maybe a little earlier but bottom line is and certainly from the time they traded Claude Giroux they had to start planning for this I would think so there there might be legitimate criticism there but even if they had started then would it have changed what people were offering for these players and these contracts I don't know Uh, I'm I'm not privy enough to know what those offers were Um, I, I mean Chuck Fletcher has been in hockey a long time he's a smart man he had to know the benefits of a Johnny Gaudreau with the Flyers. So he had to explore it. Um, the fact that it didn't happen can't be um, that he didn't try. So uh, unfortunately, I think the way the, the press conference came off on, on the deadline or on the, the free agency day, uh, it I came out as the Flyers never even looked into it, which I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I hope not. Um, because it, there's just too many positives for that, to, not to look into it. I just think they never got to the point of actually offering a contract because they didn't have the money. They didn't have the room under the cap, and that goes back to, A, they had to sign D'Angelo because maybe Ellis is not even going to play. Now, if Ellis is definitely done, they're going to get LTR. Uh, well, and then again, if he retires, it gets complicated, but the bottom line is they'll, they'll get some money off the cap, so maybe they knew about that. I don't know. See, there's so many variables here we don't know about. It's hard to really dig in on, you know, why they didn't get this
0: done. And I think Jim, there's going to be a ton of debate. Like, are the are the Flyers actually believing in this aggressive retool, or are they kind of quietly rebuilding, like somewhat going for it, but some, but somewhat also thinking future, future, future?
1: Yeah. It, it, the teams that do that, Jordan, effectively are the best. It's tough yeah. because. Often what happens when you are caught between rebuilding and staying competitive, you end up in the middle of the pack. So you compete for playoff spots, but never have a legitimate chance to win the cup. That's why people want to just tear it down. But to tear this down now is hard to do with the contracts they have. No move for Hayes. Some of the players you would would probably have to deal are the guys who are in their late twenties, early thirties aren't movable. Um, And I think that ended up being part of the problem why they couldn't clear space for Goudreau as well. So, um, you know, who's at fault for that? Uh, Some of it's contracts that Chuck signed, some of it's contracts that were signed before he was here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I mean, I went into this offseason, Jordan, with a kind of a plan in my head, and I'm no expert, but of how this team could be not just relevant next year, but contenders, I do not for an instant buy the naysayers out there Uh, who have their own reasons perhaps for saying they need to blow it up. It's done, all this, because and that they can't win for five or six years. Uh, Many of them are people not even with the team on a daily basis, not not even covering the team on a daily basis or not even uh, having been with the team for a year or two or three or whatever. So uh, they don't really have the inside knowledge. The bottom line is this team in 2019-2020 leading up to the pause from mid-November to mid-March. So that is a four-month stretch. That's not a streak. That's a large chunk of a season. They were tied for second in points in the NHL, and they were one of the top teams. They allowed the fewest shots per game. They were not winning because Carter Hart was standing on his head. He was playing well, but they were winning because they were out playing teams. It was legitimate, even the analytics people. It was legitimate. So that seems like a long time ago to all of us now. We've been through so much, but They were that good, and then they came out and they played okay in the bubble, got to the second round. Haven't been the same since. But it was a basic, basically the team they have now, with some minor exceptions, plus now the major exception of Claude Giroux now being gone, that was one of the top teams. So you can't tell me that the team goes from that to where they were the following year, decimated by COVID and some injuries, and then last year completely decimated by injuries and another COVID outbreak, that – they just fell because the talent for four months, you know, overperformed. I mean, you can, you can buy that. Maybe it's true to me. Four months is a long time to be a fraud. So to me, if you, you flash back to that time, Jordan, we were all in a pretty good place there. The Ron Hextall draftees were developing. We had Carter Hart developing. We had some veterans still performing well. They were playing well. Elaine Vino had come in. They, they had adapted to his system. They had even made it through the diagnosis of one of their players having a very serious illness through that stretch to continue to, to find a way. And the pandemic hits, and everything kind of changed after that. Even though they played better in the bubble, uh, the, the series against the Islanders, they meant seven games, but they were outplayed pretty badly in that series. And I wouldn't say they were great in the series against Montreal. I, I really think somewhere on the line there, I got lost. I'm not sure that the pandemic didn't take a lot of the juice out of Elaine Vino and his coaching, to be honest with you, um, because coming back, um, they just didn't have it. Uh, but I do think there were a lot of elements there that were positive that you can get back to, and maybe another coaching staff can bring it out. Mike Yo had a very difficult position last year. He came in, in the middle of five games in seven days. He was able to get through, start to get the club winning again, then the Christmas break, then the the, the COVID hit in a big way. I mean, Proveroff, Giroux all those players, and they went into another tailspin. So I, I don't know if it's fair to judge Mike Yo too much and his abilities there, but now they've got John Totorel And back to what I was saying, I had this plan to, to, to basically get this team back. It was like a four-point plan. The first one was to hire a coach who can reestablish this team with an identity and structure, and I absolutely think they did that with John Totorel. So step one, I was really happy with and I, and I thought, hey, we're on our way. Step two is to have the young players on this team, and even the young veterans like your Travis Konechnies and Ivan Provorovs and Travis Sanheims, but and and then the younger players, younger than them, the Cam Yorks, Joel Farabies, uh, Noah Cates, those players have to, to move up, take another step, take another bigger bite out of the team. I still think that's possible. Step three is health. Uh, I'm a little worried on that end because when I was talking about health when I was just you know coming up with this plan, it included Ryan Ellis being healthy, which is starting to look less and less like a possibility, at least at the start of the year. But Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes' health. Uh, obviously, we've had other setbacks: uh, Joel Farabee and and Bobby Brink. Now, so the health thing's getting a little sketchy. But they, they got to be healthier than they were last year. No team is going to withstand almost 500 game man games lost to injury, especially to key players like Ellis and Couturier and Hayes Farabee. Uh, eventually Hart eventually Atkinson I mean they, they lost almost every key player for a pretty extended period of time and they can't survive that if that happens again next year this whole plan is blown up so they have to have health. that's three but my fourth element was they had it had to add dynamic talent up front because they don't have Claude Giroux anymore yeah. you know and you you got to replace some of that skill and maybe even improve on it with a younger player and So that's where I thought Johnny Guerrero fit in. Um, As it turns out, they couldn't make it work. So my plan, coaching, check. Young players taking another step up, we'll see. I think it's still possible. Health, starting to get a little worried there, but still they should be healthier than last year. It's hard to imagine them being less healthy. But that fourth element, unless you believe the addition of Tony D'Angelo to the power play will help, and I think it will, but uh, unless you think that that, addition is going to help them offensively and on the power play enough they haven't taken care of that yet. Um, and I'm not sure they have any way to do that because they're so far up against the cap and obviously the free agents are are being snapped up and they've said they're pretty much out of the mix in that regard. So my plan has uh, taken a bit of a hit. but I, I will say this. I do agree with Chuck in that I think there's going to be improvement in this team because of structure and it's obvious with some of their additions, that they're really going to be concerned with the, the identity of the team. They're going to be hard to play against. They're not. It's not going to be a fun night playing against the Flyers, and I think that the fans will like that. Uh, and they are obviously, as am I, counting on these young players to take that step I was talking about. If all that happens, the young players take the step up, the coaching staff does give them the ident- identity and defensive structure, they're going to be better. They have a good young goalie they have plenty of pieces right now. It's easy to just look at their players and really downgrade them off of last year, maybe even the year before that. But I don't know as if you can take that. Let's look back to where they were three years ago, three seasons ago on the way up. And, you know, something happened to send some of these players back down. Right. I, I think you can get them back up. So uh, I think some of that can happen, but is it enough minus adding some of the elite talent that Chuck was mentioning when he talked about the, the retool um, up front, I don't know. That's a big question for me.
0: Clarks Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stopping the Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about, all from the comfort of your home, isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get eighty percent off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's BYTE dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Jim, for you, is that where it stings a little bit with this Johnny Gaudreau decision? is the fact that the cards really seem to align. If you were trying to predict this, and I was, I'm sure you were, everyone was, will they get Johnny Gaudreau? A lot of things aligned. Chuck Fletcher hitting on, we need to get more high-end talent. Boom, check off Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, aggressive retool, aggressive going after some of the bigger named players on the market. Check it off. Johnny Gaudreau wanting to come here. From all accounts and from a report by ESPN's Emily Kaplan, the Flyers were his top choice and to me that just felt like it was gift wrapped because you have a team that was 25 46 and 11 and one of the top names on the market if not the best name on the free agent market is saying he wants to still come here it just seemed like a lot of things lined up almost like the stars were aligning for this to be to come to fruition. and and i think that's why i i maybe maybe the media and the fans are somewhat at fault for maybe hopeful and predicting and thinking this is going to happen without actually being told it's happening. Uh, but it just seemed like it was perfectly aligning and boom, you hear that they, they weren't even that aggressive on him. Is, is that where it really stinks?
1: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's not much worse than having high expectations doused. Um yeah we're kind of used to it in this town with our sports teams because we build them up every season to be honest with you and I'm talking about all the teams and then we knock them down kind of as the season goes along um, but in this case it happened in an instant it happened in one day because i think everybody was expecting the flyers to to get him uh, from a flyer standpoint in philadelphia certainly the devils were expecting to get him too uh, that didn't happen a big surprise that he ends up in columbus but i i, I got to say that that is why I think there's such disappointment because of those expectations. I can tell you he wanted to play here. I mean, I just, I know it. And it's, uh, something the flyers have to be wary of because now two years in a row out of the playoffs, they're getting some negative pub. How attractive is Philadelphia going to be to top players here over the next little while? You know, I know it's a, it's a great organization. They treat their players like gold. That that's still out there. Everybody knows about that, but, you know it's about w's and l's right and they had one and it might not have been it wasn't for the w's and l's last year that he wanted to come back here it was because it was his childhood dream you know so you know when's the next time a guy of that caliber right at the top of the scoring charts coming off a career year leading the league and even strength points i can go on and on um when's the next time that they're going to have the advantage of him wanting to come here probably would have come here for a little less than he got i don't know that for sure but probably a little less. I'm still talking a lot of money. No, But, you know, so when's the next time that's going to happen? That's, that's a concern. I mean, that's another reason why there might have been some urgency to make this a get-it-done moment. Yeah. But, again, uh, I have to stress you, me, the fans, all the writers, some of them might think they know more than others, have their insiders and all that, but we don't really know, at least at this point, maybe it comes out. I doubt it because players – Names will be attached, but we just don't know how steep that price was. Yeah. So we're not really in Chuck's shoes on that. Um, there are going to be fans out there who say, I don't care how steep the price was. Get it done. But a GM, when it gets to that stage, as I said, those get it done moments, you risk, you know, would you have been willing to give two first round picks up to move uh, James Van Reems Dyke's contract or Travis Connect, these kind of and anybody, any other contracts? Um, I would have to, even me, as much as I wanted Johnny Gaudreau here, have to really pause before I deal a first-round pick in 23 and a first-round pick in 24 uh, to to, to move, because then you're really sacrificing everything in your near future as far as uh, assets and and, and picks and young players. So all I'm saying is we don't know as much as Chuck knows. So it's easy, and he's getting plenty of criticism, obviously. I'm pretty sure he knew that was going to happen um but we don't know all the details so there's that but when you you asked me your original question is that what makes it sting it stings to me because it's kind of weird I mean for my for for Johnny's I followed his career since you know he was a kid and um I I, there's always been kind of that dream but for a while it was a fantasy and with with as long as I said as long as Claude Giroux was here it was a complete fantasy I thought but then then once everything fell the way it did last year, all of a sudden, you know, well, here it is. Maybe opportunity meets here because uh, meets fate here because you know they had to deal Giroux. Uh, there's that spot that's open. Johnny's a free agent. He wants to come here. So yeah, all of our hopes, all of our hopes were very high. And when when hopes don't uh, get met, there is a sting. There's no doubt about that. So we we all have a sting. But as I said, Chuck Fletcher has to think of it more from a business standpoint. Um, and he knows more than we do about what was going on. So uh, there is that, but there's no no question about the fact that uh, they're going to have to find a way to to you know get fans interested now because a lot of fans aren't into the details that we're talking about here. They're just into they didn't get a, a hometown kid and, and they didn't even try. Well, I, I don't want to I want to stress that they had to try. It wasn't that they you know you said earlier they weren't in on. They, they had to be in on them, or to me, it's like they're not doing their job. I mean, the GM's in on every player that's a free agent. So they had to – what I think Chuck was saying yesterday, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think he was just saying is they never actually made an offer because they didn't have the money to give him because of the cap and because they couldn't trade the other assets. So that's, I guess, where we're at. Very disappointing, um, but um, that is that is – business. That's sports. Sometimes we just don't get what we want a uh, bitter pill to swallow. Yes. Um, but I, I do want to say, I do think Chuck, and no one's going to listen to this right now, but when we roll around for camp in September, this team should be better. I mean, John Totorella and his coaching staff will, will help to make this team better. Hopefully they're a little healthier. They got to be healthier. And hopefully we see some of these young players really, I'm, I'm not think, talking about small, you know, small, improvements. I do think in an atmosphere where they're playing better hockey and people are healthy and they have structure and all that, these young players can really make some strides. I mean, these were top-notch prospects and they were players on their way in some cases, not the real young guys, but the guys who are young veterans now. I mean, where did that go? So there's that. There is reason for hope that they'll be better. Now, without that Front-end talent up front, better enough to make the playoffs, better enough to compete for the Stanley Cup. That's a that's a leap, see, and that's where we're at because they they couldn't make couldn't really get this done.
0: Yeah, there' a very fair point about Chuck Fletcher not knowing, obviously, exactly what he was being offered. Uh, you know, it's a clear cap. Uh, it's very difficult to move cap. We've seen him have to do it by moving Shane Goss to spare last summer. He had to. <laughs> In order to trade a puck moving defenseman with a 65 point season on his resume, he had to attach a second round pick and another pick to boot. So, well, it, and, you
1: know, in bringing that up, I mean, it's not right of me not to say that that probably turns out to be a mistake because they did that to get Rasmus Wistolinen, right, who is going to play, slotted to play in the three or four, you know, second pair defense spot. Um, and I am not a Rasmus Wistolinen hater. I think he brings something this team needs. But they gave up a ton of assets, you know, two players, four picks, I believe, right? Um, and, and,
0: and when, and when you include the air?
1: yeah, when you include the spare trade, yeah. and that ostensibly was made to to clear space for that trade and to to get some more assets, you know, they ended up trading the picks and Robert Haig as well. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot to get Rasmus to line it, and then of course for just one year, and so they had almost had to resign him after giving up that much. Um, so you add his contract to Tony D'Angelo's contract, that's $10 million, a little more. And, you know, they, you know, they could maybe assign Johnny Gaudreau, but you know, that's absolutely hindsight. Uh, but I do think that this, the price was a little too steep for us just to line. Him. But, um, again, that was last year. They were not expecting the team to, to basically have the season they had. They were expecting Rasmus to be a piece to really have them bounce back from the year before. So things have, have changed since they made that move. Um, and there are going to be people who say, "Well, if they're willing to trade assets for Erasmus Mr. line, and why not do it for Johnny Gaudreau?" I think the assets being asked asked for Johnny Gaudreau were at a different different level. Uh, you know, those that was a first round pick for for Erasmus, and a, and a second, but um, not probably as high a first round pick if they're looking 2023. And also, they were probably looking for more than just the first round pick. I think Chuck at least alluded to that yesterday. He Didn't give us much information on that, but that it was maybe more than just a first round pick. So. You know, again, we there's a lot of unknowns here for us to just say it was. You know, he shouldn't have done it from a fan standpoint, and from knowing Johnny Gaudreau's family and all that. I just wanted him to get it done, so I totally understand where the Flyers fans are coming from. But from a business standpoint, if you take a look at it, there's much more to consider, and Chuck had to consider all that when making his decision.
0: And Jim, I guess I was a little surprised because. Chuck Fletcher has been known to be a guy that goes for it Uh, in Minnesota. I always remember when he was first introduced here and he was talking about what he did in Minnesota. He, you know, we asked him about the, the two monster deals. Everyone knows them, Suter and, uh, and Parise. And Mm -hmm. he, he talked about how, obviously you, when you make those deals and you add 13 years, it's a lot, it's, you know, it's very backloaded, it's heavy, you know there's going to be a tail off there, but you, you think of what it can do for now. And he mentioned how they made the playoffs six straight years. Revenue shot up. Fans were in seats. There were sellouts. Uh, there was a big time spark and interest in the wild. And and hockey was big again in Minnesota in terms of the professional team. I really felt like this might have been a spot where he, he would have thought of the importance of going for it and what Johnny Gaudreau Jersey sales would do for revenue, what it would do for interest in in fans, getting people to come to games, families bringing their kids to watch South Jersey Zone, Johnny Gaudreau. Not to mention it would make them a whole lot better on the ice. Uh, Was that a little surprising to you to think he he has a go-for-it pedigree and for here he was a little more reserved? He he thought about the big picture of money, uh, what the roster would look like after they got him in terms of stripping it down a little bit to add – were you a little surprised? Long story short,
1: I was um, mainly because of what you just said. He's obviously shown a history of doing it, but also his what he had been saying. Mm-hmm. They are short on high end talent. Well, Johnny Gaudreau is high end talent, yeah. um, and he wanted to come here. So, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. Um, when you think about it. An aggressive retool that's that's being aggressive. So he has it in his history, he has it in his blood, I think, to make those moves. That really leads me to believe Jordan that he had something cooking in terms of trading contracts, clearing space, and it broke down. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a pretty disappointed guy to me yesterday, too. So yeah. um I, I gotta think they they attempted and it just didn't work why it didn't work i don't know whether these teams they, they just you know held them up against it and of course you can say well if you put yourself in that position you know they know you're kind of desperate there that's what's going to happen but um you know i got to think he had something going yesterday and it just didn't happen uh, unfortunately i think from the the presser we come away with this feeling some fans who are, are kind of just looking at it from afar maybe see clips of the press conference and not the whole thing that they didn't even try And I just can't believe that's the truth. So um, I just think that um, these teams kind of held him up against the wall because they knew what he was trying to do. And and he just couldn't get past that.
0: Jim, are you optimistic about this defense? That's where maybe I feel Chuck Fletcher was being forthright there. That he felt there were massive issues defensively. And as we know, hockey, a lot of the best teams are built from the back end out. And he had... Emphasize their their issues with just exiting the defensive zone, and obviously, defend. You know, defensemen are crucial at getting you to go get up the ice and play in the offensive end. Maybe he does feel like with this head coach and their goalie, if they are a lot better defensively, they can maybe be a stingy team that's going to cut down massively on their goals against, and maybe that will give them a good chance to win hockey games. And big if, if Ryan Ellis is healthy, big big if, and when that is. They could be deep on defense, and, and that's my thought is he's focusing on cutting that goals against down big time, and then maybe the offense will come naturally, because I will say, Jim, in 2019-20, they weren't dynamic offensively. They were balanced. They were opportunistic, but they really were a stingy team, like you said. Shots against were lowest in the league. They, they played well in front of Carter, and it led to a really good team. Do you feel like maybe that's his mindset? I want to take care of defense first and then we'll see if our guys can produce offensively.
1: No doubt. Uh, And I don't really have any question. They will be better defensively. It can't be much worse, but I mean, they have added, um, you know, Tony D'Angelo, people are going to talk about, uh, and I I, I don't like this fact that he's almost been cast as this uh, all offense, terrible defensively. There's no way Rod Brindamore plays him on the top pair almost all season long. Granted, with a very good defensive defenseman in Jacob Slavin. But I, you don't play him on your top pair facing sometimes the top, a lot of times the top lines of the other team, and he's plus 30 or something. There, there's no way that he is a complete liability defensively. He takes risks, Tony, and he will cough up the puck occasionally, trying, thinking offense over defense, but he he battles defensively. There have been defensemen here in the past who were offensive defensemen and just didn't, it, once the puck was in their own end, they just the, the battle for the puck just wasn't there consistently. I don't think that's Tony D'Angelo, so I don't think he necessarily. People are saying, "Well, that doesn't fit John Tortorella's realm." I think it does. He had Zach Zachary in Columbus, and by the way, really helped him become a more well-rounded defenseman. And uh, you know, I I don't, I don't think there's any question that he can do the same with Tony, and that Tony already is a pretty well-rounded defenseman. Again, Rod Brindemore is a very smart guy. Uh, there's no way Tony's on that top pair almost all year. Right? Very beginning, he wasn't. But then once he got there, uh, Tony was pretty much on the top pair at 5-on-5, five five, in addition to being, obviously, a power play asset. So um, I, I think the defense has a chance. If Ryan Ellis is healthy, absolutely uh, a chance. But even if he isn't, if D'Angelo is on the top pair, now Justin Braun's back is a solid third pair, right shot defenseman, you hope that Sanheim, and still Show some uh chemistry as they did last year, and then you got Cam York, uh, you've got Ronnie Adder to maybe add to that mix, you've got others. Um, Connaughton's kind of a 7 8 uh, guy, so I, I think there is depth there. I think that they can can say that they're improved there, especially if Ellis is healthy up front. If Couturier is healthy, clearly they're improved, he's one of the best two way forwards around. Oh, by the way, we kind of forget that. Uh, it, you know, people are worried it was back, it was a back injury. Is he ever going to be the same? Legitimate worries, but if he is back. I mean, uh, if his back is okay, um, that's a heck of an addition to a lineup. You assume Kevin Hayes looked good toward the end of last year. Uh, We see that and maybe a little even improvement on that. Um, So, yeah, you see reasons for optimism that this team will be better, uh, and that's why I think an addition of Gaudreau might have been really a nice feather to add to that to maybe take him to another level. They couldn't get that done, but as is, I think this is going to be a better team again, the big if there is the health. Uh, they can't be losing play. I mean, the Joel Faraby injury was just horrible news. He was going to be a big part of this and probably will be at some point during the season. Will he be ready at the start? I mean, you, you hate to think that they're, we're going to go through this all over again when two players Brink and Farabee, are injured in workouts and you know a potential backup goalie ends up in you know the situation he's in in Russia. So already it's been kind of weird that way for the Flyers. They, they, they They've got to get some of that stuff turned around Um, the, the, obviously the Fedotov situation, nothing they can do about it. The injury situation, Chuck alluded to it yesterday. They're looking into a different kind of training methods and and, uh, maybe some staff adjustments there. So we'll see, but they have to be healthier. Um, and if they are healthier and, and I think Tony D'Angelo will help the power play. That's the one thing, Jordan, the power play has to be better.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You can talk about the defense, the goaltending. Uh, You can't have a power play where it was last year and expect to, to be competitive. Uh, it can happen, but you have to be really, really good at every other area. They need to be at least mediocre, all right, in the power play next year. Uh, they're going to hire a coach, rumors out there they already have, that will uh, you know work on that. That's going to help. Tony D'Angelo is going to help there. Johnny Guido really would have helped there. But, you know, they're going to have to get that straightened out. Um, yes, they're going to. I think they're going to allow fewer goals. They're going to play with more structure. They're going to block a lot of shots. That's what John Tortorella teams do. But you got to score some on the power play too. And I'm not necessarily saying top ranked power play, but you got to at least be mediocre. You can't be at the bottom of the league in that that regard. And the penalty kill as well, which I think with John Tortorella there will get better for sure. Um, but uh, I do think I, I'm still optimistic that this team's going to be better next year. But is better good enough to get into the playoffs? That's the question we all have. And and, and those other elements I told you about, the young players taking a bigger bite, the health um, and the coaching change having an impact, those things all have to be now uh, in the checkbox when we're talking in January, February. We've we got to be checking those off as, yep, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened, because the high-end talent addition outside of D'Angelo has not happened. So that check mark for my little plan, it looks like it's going to go unchecked. They're going to have to rely on the talent that was already here, getting better and playing better under a new coach in order to make the improvements that they want.
0: Yeah, a lot of things will have to go their way, uh, including health and obviously in a loaded division. And that Joel Faraby injury had to just be such a are you kidding me moment for the Flyers because we, we know their misfortune with health. And then it to me, Joe Ferby is the one guy. When people argue, there's nothing here. Strip it down and build it back up. Ferby is one of those young guys that you can say, "Hey, I could see him being here for a decade plus and being a very good player." A young guy that you can look at and say, "He's a guy you can build around." And here he he injures his his neck in all season workout. Let me
1: let me say this, Jordan, about the the young players. Cam York might be a very good player. Uh, Joel Farabee is a cutter goche, is now added to that list. Uh, Tyson Forster is a very intriguing guy. Uh, and then you have some of the guys who are a little bit more experienced. Tippett is, is a guy that you might know, there. Travis Konechny was a guy on pace for about a 33 34 goal year, I believe, uh, in the one year. Um, older, obviously. He's in his mid 20s. He's where it should be. I think we saw Sanheim taking a step toward a really legitimate top level defenseman last year. And Ivan Provros, that's a big, that's a big mystery that John Totoro is going to have to unwrap, right? Um, you know, it's a sensitive topic with Ivan himself, the attention he gets, but, uh, you know, how will he play if he gets an offensive defenseman like D'Angelo is his mate? Maybe that unlocks Provorov to be kind of a Ryan McDonough kind of player, you know, he could stay more at, at home, be a little more physical, but, you know, still be a very good puck mover and all that. Um, so there's there's talent here. People look at the records from the last two years, and hey, that's it's a results-oriented business. I understand why you do that. But there were legitimate reasons. I'm not being a shill to tell you that last year, there's not many teams that would have made the playoffs with the injuries they had to the players they had and then the, 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 the stuff that happened in terms of the, the COVID hitting right when it hit and all these things. So it was a tough year. And the year before that, uh, again, kind of the same thing that the COVID outbreak happened that believe their record was pretty good. When it hit, they never recovered. Now you, you can't question how come they never recovered. You, you got to be able to, to battle back from adversity. But my, my feeling for my thought that they're not as far away as a lot of people make them out to be, goes back to last year, something like 85% of the games or 80% of the games, they were within one goal in the third period. Yeah. So If you give them a power play that's halfway decent and play a little bit better defensively at five on five, you're going to win a lot of those games. So the turnaround might not be as big as people think they weren't losing games last year. The year before they actually were blown out more frequently Uh, last year, there were a lot of games. They were in them and they just couldn't make the plays late in the game or they made the wrong plays late in the game. So if you turn some of those games around, and obviously, if you have an extra goal in your docket because of a power play that works you know every other game, or if you have a, a team that's playing stingier, blocking more shots, which should happen, you're going to win some of those games, a lot of them. And so that turnaround from being bad to being very competitive, I don't think needs to – it can happen this year. It really can. But then to climb another level to be an absolute contender for the Cup, that's when you get into the high-end talent conversation that chuck was talking about and that's where they're going to have to improve now some of that has to come internally some of these young players have to develop into elite talents and then you're probably going to have to go out and supplement that at some point Uh, they could have maybe supplemented it right now but they would have had to give up maybe too much of what they thought were going to be assets and trying to get there in the future to do that so they couldn't do it but um Bottom line is, if you, you just take the Johnny Gaudreau thing out, and for all of us right now, it's almost impossible to do. I understand that. But I still think they're going to be a better team in 2022-23 20, than they were last year. Um, but, um, you, you know, it, it's it, right now this thing's too fresh, I think, for any of us to think along those lines. Uh, we almost had one of the better players in the NHL or we thought we were going to get. I shouldn't say we almost. we we The, the fans were probably thinking, hey, we, we're going to get Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, I was thinking that. <laughs> and um, we didn't. So this thing from that right now, I think is it's, it's too soon to, to be talking about. I think there's still going to be a better team. But when we as I said, when we roll around for camp in September, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, you'll see, and especially as we get into the preseason games and then early season, there's going to be more structure. They are going to be difficult to play against, and that's going to lead to to better results.
0: And my final question for you, Jim, I've had some people ask me, just given what happened last season, given what's transpired this offseason, people are asking me, what's the biggest reason to be interested in the Flyers? And for me, my answer is John Tortorella Carter Hart. I think you have a head coach that has a track record of knowing how to make life easier on his goalie, and you have a 23-year-old kid in net who I think the sky's the limit for what is your reason? Why why do you think the Flyers should be interesting next season, and and why should people you know be intrigued for when training camp rolls around and the season gets closer?
1: Well, your reasons for sure, um, okay. and as part of the Tortorella influence, I think you'll see a lot of these players who I've been talking about a lot here today, the younger players be a lot better than we've seen in the last couple years. Um, now it's going to be incumbent on the likes of Travis need to buy-in to to john totorella's system i think tk has matured as a person he's a parent now and i think he will um and i think you're going to see improvement in those players and i'm excited to see how some of these young players joe fairby when he gets healthy cam york uh noah kate who i thought was very impressive last year and then maybe tyson forster and eventually a year or two down the road Katar goche and some of these other guys I, i'm i'm interested in seeing how they are, are implemented in so that's going to be fun to watch but in the end, Jordan, what's the most fun to watch? Wins. Yes. <laughs> so if they win more, and certainly I hope they win more often than they did last year, there's going to be more interest. Uh, it, it, uh, it, uh, you know They're going to be a team, I think, that fits the image of Philadelphia. I should throw this in, too. John Turrell's teams are usually pretty full of sandpaper. And, you know, Nick DeLaurier and some of the additions they're making indicate they're going to go in that direction. So uh, I think Philadelphia fans relate to that kind of team, but without having them on the ice right now and a day after they didn't get Johnny Gaudreau, fans don't want to hear any of that. I completely understand that. Yeah. But once the games start and the team starts playing with that identity and with that structure, the structure is going to help Carter Hart. I think Carter Hart can be an outstanding goaltender in this league, still maybe half a season he's had in his career where he's had a team playing with really good structure in front of him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, when he sees that, you see that, I think he can be a really good goalie. And then some of these young players improve. Um, yeah. I, I think that wins will come too. And the wins are what generate interest. I mean, if this team gets it going sometime in December, January, February, um, and is playing well and competing for a playoff spot, um, some of the sting of, this early summer will have faded away. Uh, will it ever fade away? Maybe not because Johnny Gaudreau might be, you know, scoring 150 points for Columbus or something. And we're always going to be reminded, Ah, what if we had gotten him, but uh, maybe not completely that sting, but if the flyers are winning and they're playing with more of an identity, a Philadelphia identity, which John Totoro certainly espouses, I think, uh, I think the the fans will be interested and things will come back. But that's going to be a slower process now. If they had had Johnny Gaudreau, and again, I don't know what they would have to give up to get him, but they had Johnny Gaudreau, they would have had some of the interest right from the start of the season. But I think this is something now that's going to have to build gradually as they watch the team play under a new coach and with a new identity.
0: Yeah, no doubt winning cures all. I remember 2019-20. Chuck Fletcher's first offseason, very low key. The biggest signing was Kevin Hayes, and a lot of people questioned that move whether he was offensive enough to demand that money. And that year, you know, things didn't get off to the best start, but there was a game right around Christmas against the Rangers at the Wells Fargo Center. The place was packed, the Flyers were playing well, and that building started to sell out. Uh, as the team started to make that run, so
1: yeah, and I'll, I'll say this: winning yeah. is the best deodorant out there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, winning can can take this think of other things away, and um, that's what they're going to have to do. Chuck has, and I don't know as if this was a what he wanted to do. I think maybe he feels he was forced into it by the market, but he is now relying on those other elements we talked about: uh, the young players being healthier and the coaching staff. to to implement a new uh, identity and structure. He's relying on those three things to carry this team to a new level. Um, The high-end talent thing is going to have to wait for now or it's going to have to come from within, but that usually is a process. I don't think we're going to see necessarily one of the young, young players become, you know, Kale McCarr overnight. Um, But uh, the bottom line is that he's going to rely on improvement from those players, health, fingers crossed, and the coaching staff to To make this team much improved, and if they are much improved, they're going to win more games. And if they win more games, there'll be more interest um, from a, a you know a standpoint of just a flash and a shock jock standpoint for yeah. uh, you know talk radio or uh, you know yeah. clicks on Twitter or whatever. Johnny Gaudreau <laughs> would have been great because it's just a big name and a local product, and it, it would have been fantastic, easier on us uh, for sure. But uh, that didn't happen, so you have to to move on. Um, that's what life's all about adjusting to change. And it's not one I necessarily saw coming. I was looking forward to this, but I am willing to see what this team can give us here early in the season and go from there. But, um, it's going to be a lot of pressure. There's no doubt about that to to perform better. And it's not going to necessarily happen overnight. John Totoro has got to have a little time to get his stuff implemented. So uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jim, I, I know myself and so many others were trying to wrap their head around what happened Wednesday, day one of free agency, no Johnny Gaudreau in Philadelphia. You, of course, I can always rely on you to help me put it all in perspective. Yeah. Uh, well, so this one,
1: this one hurt uh, me yeah. too. So I, I completely empathize with the Flyers and I have been here now, as you mentioned, 30 years. So I've yeah. seen lots and lots of anger and heartbreak and disappointment. I've also seen the other end of it. Um, I'm not quite sure. I've seen the disappointment at this level. They're they're, they're very disappointed um, uh, here in early January, mid January, and and I am too. But by the time September rolls around, we as fans—I'm not a fan—but they they as fans, we as people who follow the team uh, and cover the team have to move on to what this team is, not what they were going to be with Johnny Gaudreau. And I still think what this team can be um, is improved from last year. How improved, we shall see but improved nonetheless, and that should be at least a a little bit of a salve to the wound of what just happened and um, something that looking forward can lead to something exciting, which after the last two seasons, that's all the fans are expecting. They want to have reason to believe, I mean, the positive fans out there. So hopefully this team can give them something to believe in as they perform early in the season moving on next year, and uh, if that's the case, this will become just one of those you know, sad days in the history of the Flyers, but it won't be something that carries on year after year. So it's going to be very interesting to see.
0: Absolutely. And Jim, speaking of your summers, I know you have a little more free time, but I know you really enjoy your mentoring program for broadcasters. I know there's so many aspiring broadcasters that really look up to you. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that? And for those that are maybe interested.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm still doing the broadcast coaching um you can uh, just check out my my website jimjacksonbroadcasting.com which uh, has all the, the information about it but it's basically one-on-one in a zoom setting uh, maybe at some point if we can ever get to the stage where we're past the, the old pandemic get to, to doing it you know personally but right now it's still zoom um and we do three sessions one hour we talk about a whole variety of things i tailor make it to the Specific needs of that particular person. Some, it's not just for play-by-play. It's if they want to be a, a sideline reporter or a, a anchor in studio or a talk show host or a podcast host, you you still haven't applied yet, Jordan. I'm waiting. No, you're already a very good host. You don't need my classes. Yeah. But what I'm saying, it, it's it's any any form of broadcasting. Um, I, I I cater the the sessions to that. And then once you are part of the program, you can consider me a mentor for as however long you want me. Um, and uh, I'm available, you know, via text and email and so forth to, to help you throughout as you move forward in your broadcast journey. It's been very rewarding. Started it in November of 2020, right after, you know, I parted ways with the fills, and um, I probably have had 50, 45 to 50 students, and it's, it's just very rewarding. I've seen some of them already get jobs in the field. I've seen some who are already in the field move up. I've seen some kind of go off on a side road, but find one they really like. Um, and it's uh, re- very rewarding. It's not quite like being a parent, but it's uh, yeah. it's nice to see these things happen. And I feel as though I become friends with these people and um, have uh, friends for life. So um, that's jimjacksonbroadcasting.com. You can go there and find out about that. And I, I also voice audio books, do voiceovers, looking to get into speaking perhaps as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of different things that I can do in the summer now.
0: Terrific stuff. Always staying busy. I know that for sure. And I can't think of a better opportunity for aspiring broadcasters. Jim, thank you so, so much. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. Really appreciate all your insight and perspective on this off season. And uh, I know I'll definitely be seeing you soon. And I can't wait for that. Thanks again for joining us, Jim.
1: My pleasure, Jordan. I will say, by the way, um, the other day at broadcast the development, not broadcast, but development camp for the Flyers, you uh, sadly uh, down with COVID. Yes. I was there and you weren't. And I what? was like, since Jordan Hall took over, I think this is the first time I've ever been at the Flyers training facility, and he hasn't been been there. You weren't in your spot. It just didn't seem right.
0: I figured I'm like, Jim's Jim's probably thinking he beat me there. And- I did. I did. I got there early that day. I got
1: there before the, the – while well, the goalies were already out, but I got there before the defense and the forwards got out. And other writers, everybody was there and no Jordan Holland. And, and I'm like, I, I I, think I quipped, is Jordan slacking off? And then they told me I had COVID. So, um, but I at least can say I've been to the Flyers training facility one day that you weren't now. So,
0: yes, my first thought was hard to do, folks.
1: This guy is a workaholic. He <laughs> is a flat out workaholic.
0: Thank you, Jim. Seriously, that means a lot. And yeah, my first thought was, well, wow, I'm going to miss development camp, but I'm not going to see Jim and all the other, uh, all the, all our other colleagues. And we always enjoy watching the, uh, what is it? Three on three, I believe, Jim. Right? That's, yeah,
1: that's the last day they do the three on three. Yeah. I'm actually, I think I'm going to be on a boat with Bernie Peron fishing, yeah. so I'm going to miss the three on three. But uh, that's always fun, and the kids have fun with that too. That's like bringing them back to their, you know, their elements of just playing at the local rink or even on ponds or whatever. They just get to go out there and try to score and show off some of their skills. So that is always a great way to wrap up the development camp.
0: Absolutely, and not a bad alternative for you uh, on a boat with Bernie Perrant.
1: Uh No, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a beautiful thing. I will tell you what won't be a beautiful thing, a fish that I catch. I haven't fished since I was 10 years old. So oh,
0: okay.
1: I, I, um, I'm going to be out there, I think, for moral support for the people at Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. Awesome cause. Love yeah. to do whatever I can for them. And uh, I'll be there to help them fish. I don't know if I'm actually going to be fishing because that could be a disaster. I could see myself, you know, clipping Bernie with one of my back swings as I go to, go to cast. So uh, it's, it's just I, I'm not, not very experienced at fishing. So, but I'll be there for moral support.
0: And the conversations, I'm sure, will be great. Well, Jim, this conversation was great. Thanks so much again. Great seeing you. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I hope you're having a terrific summer. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. Thanks, and ben. a big time thanks, as always, to Flyers fans for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.